Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday, February 7th. Legit thought it was Wednesday as this countdown was going. And then I looked up my notes and thankfully the earlier version of me got it right and said it was Tuesday. Um, Cause all the times, man, I just read whatever I write on the notes. Um, today's episode, or uh, today's episode is episode 175. And I cannot believe that we are 25 episodes away from episode 200. And it feels like we, it took us so long to get to episode 100. Cause we were just doing like two episodes a week and then three, and now at five episodes a week, it's just we're cruising, you guys, cruising. So don't ask me what we're doing for episode 200 yet, because I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. So we'll continue praying and, and we'll do something fun. Um, also, uh, anytime you donate to ElijahFire.com slash donate, those proceeds go towards making this, keeping this whole thing afloat, keeping the whole machine, the whole Elijah Fire machine afloat. Um, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes. A lot of people that do a whole bunch of different things. Um, and you've met a couple of those people on these lives. Um, but we take a portion of every single donation and we funnel it into our efforts or water well efforts over in Uganda. We've partnered with Show Mercy International who are amazing. Mike and Lori Sally are amazing people doing amazing work over there. Um, and we're digging a new fresh water well every three days, which is mind blowing um, and completely transforming these communities. Um, and that is because of your guys' generosity. That is because of you guys. And so um, I'm going to play a quick update video, and then we are going to get this ball rolling with this amazing new guest. So there we go. Thank you again for your guys' generosity. And I can't, I mean, I'm just so excited about what God is going to do with all of that. We've already dug one well in Nepal. And I said the wrong information based off of something I heard Steve say, and I said that we've dug a well in Ethiopia already. We are, we are actively, that's in development. So I got a little ahead of myself. So yeah, it's happening. Very exciting. Speaking of exciting, um, I forgot to mention this yesterday, but over the weekend we hit 25,000 subscribers on YouTube. Woo! Those are the streamers. I had to do that really quick. And now I have to clean up all this paper on the ground after today's episode, but very exciting. Thank you so much for all of you guys' prayers, your encouragement, all that stuff. Uh, 50K, here we come. Also, one other thing I have it on my notes. I said it yesterday and I'm gonna say it every single day until Friday. On Friday, February 10th, we start our new teaching series and that's gonna be going for four consecutive weeks. So it's gonna be every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time, and that is with Mandy and Costin Woodhouse. Um, and I'm so stoked because we've been talking about this for a while with them, kind of to push it back because they want a sabbatical and all that good stuff. Um, and it's going to be all about, uh, you, you guys know they're super gifted Bible teachers. Um, and Costin uh, is a legit Bible scholar. And so um, I'm, I'm just so excited, you guys. It's going to be an all-encompassing uh, all series about how do you study scripture? How do you apply it? All that good stuff. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. And that's going to start on Friday, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. So that's Friday, February 10th. Amazing. Starting a new series, new teaching series. It's going to be great. So it's going to be part one of four starts on Friday. So, all right, everybody. Uh, some of you guys know who this guest is. You know, I'm sure some of you don't. Um, we got it recommended by Carissa. Carissa, God bless you. 
Um, and uh, I was just so really resonated with um, this guest and her words and, and, and what God is speaking to her in this moment. She's a prophetic voice. She's a really gifted teacher. And she's also the leader of Revive the Way. Let's give it up for my guest today, Rayma Trainer. Rayma, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys? Good, good to be here. Good. Okay. So people, obviously there's some people that don't know who you are. So why don't you just take however long and you can just tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So um, I live in the Atlanta area with my husband, four daughters. Um, we have been, you know, kind of in church world for a long time. Um, you know, we started out almost 20 years ago in, uh, in Sydney, Australia is oh, actually wow. where I met my husband. So he's yeah, Aussie. Uh, yes. Well, okay. he's actually, no, he's not an Aussie, but oh, he isn't. we are both Americans who met in Australia. And oh, wow. um, at the time we were both involved with Hillsong and doing our schooling um, for our ministry schooling in Australia. And so we met there and um, then we moved to California for a while, which I'm from Los Angeles. And then we were in New York for almost a decade and then recently relocated to the Atlanta area. Um, but, you know, we've been, you know, involved in church ever since we were like legal adults, you know, like serving, mm -hmm. running teams, doing all the things. And I know a lot of people probably can relate to that, you know, sure. who grow up in church and you're, you know, just doing the teams, doing the things, serving, serving, serving your little heart out, trying to build whatever it is that you're building. And, um, so that was how we were, you know, we were always very involved, very, um, in it. And, um, you know, that was like 19 years almost of that, you know? And then um, probably about eight years ago, God really started to take us as, as a family in a different direction, which we really didn't understand at the time. Um, you know, we, we started getting, you know, these prophetic words from God, like, you know, just through a series of events came off of staff at a, you know, a regular contemporary, you know, church. And there was nothing wrong with the church. It was a fine church. Um, but just God started taking us and shifting us in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, over a period of time, we realized that what God was asking us to do was to start house churches. Now we had never been to a house church. We did not have any context for house church outside of acts. So, I mean, it was very much a surprise. It's a really high bar, you it's know, really, you know, yeah. like, and also to be like, Hey, you know, it felt like Abraham. He's like, Hey, come to this land that I'll show you. We're mm -hmm. like, what land is that? He's like, I said, I'll show you. Yeah. What are going to do okay. there? He's like, we'll yeah. find out. You know, it was like that. It was very, um, yeah very vague, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of, we had to really like get the pieces as we went. Um, it was very, uh, it was very difficult. You know, people would be like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And like, I wouldn't even want to tell them. Cause like, I didn't you, even know. it's like, do you have five minutes, 10 minutes so I can tell you? Cause I can't, I can't bullet point this. Like, I'm not even sure how to like explain it, yeah. except it's hard and nobody gets it, including uh -huh. us. Like, you know, yeah. um, but really we started on this path with the Holy spirit and, um, you know, it was, it was, unknown. You know, it was very unknown to us. Like I said, we'd never been in an environment. We never even thought of a house church. We thought they were like connect groups that went rogue, you know, like just people yeah. who were offended that like just leave. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, I guess yeah. they're at house church. Or, yeah. <laughs> that was our only not real church. Concept. Yeah. Right. They're not real yeah. church. Cause they're just rebellious, you know, out mm -hmm. there doing their own thing. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of with that understanding, God had to then shape us and untangle you know, a lot that we thought about church, a lot. We thought about the kingdom, a lot. We thought about discipleship, just all these different understandings that we had, had to start being disentangled. Um, and, you know, so really that has been our, 
you know, last eight year journey as like a, a whole, right. But obviously within that time, um, there's been a lot of things, you know, we, we now are planting a whole lot more churches than we were planting in the beginning. Thank God that we didn't plant a lot of churches in the beginning because we didn't know what we were doing, yeah. but you know, we, we planted a few and, you know, and we were trucking along and trying to learn from God, continually being changed and submitting to him. And, um, and now thankfully, you know, praise God, like we're really seeing a lot of fruitfulness in our mm. ministry and, um, you know, planting, I think we're planting 24 churches, um, in the next few months, Come on, um, house churches we have you say 24. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Right. Like I, I <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like that, you know, it wasn't like that for a lot of years. Yeah. You know, so, um, I think God had to, had us take a pretty long time. Honestly, he was working on us and he was working on the blueprint wow. and he was working on the church. People weren't ready, hmm. you know, and God sends pioneers beforehand. And you're just out there in the wilderness. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I building? Why am I out here? And he's like, you're preparing something because people are coming, but you have to prepare it first. It's like too late to get ready when you need to be ready. Hmm. You know? So it's like, you're there ready. Like, what am I ready for? Like, why was this so hard? And then suddenly you're prepared for yeah. what God is doing now, yeah. you know? So that's kind of like our story. And so, you know, now, and you know, we're, we're very intentionally creating leadership teams, you know, so apostolic teams, raising up fivefold leaders, um, and simultaneously planting churches, you know, so it's kind of like at the same time that we are planting and training house church leaders, um, we're also raising up apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, you know, to go into this blueprint, which is super new Testament, you know, yeah. it's very, uh, very biblical. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Um, but I, like, I would have been the last person, like if somebody would have told me this was me, I would never have believed that I would have gone this way. So it really has been the Holy spirit. Yeah. yeah. Well, why, why, why do you think it, like, why do you say it that way? Like, why, why would you not have thought it would have been you if, if someone had told you that? Oh, I just loved all the stuff about the old, like I loved the big services. I loved mm. the lights. I loved the thing like. God had to just, he had to humble me and disentangle me from so much pride and bondage and mm -hmm. like, you know, like the celebrity culture, yeah. like that desire for the green room, you know, like that uh -huh. whole like thing about wanting to be important, wanting to yeah. be a voice. And I think it's interesting, like as leaders, um, there can be this drive, like when you already know you're a leader, you know that God's called you to have influence. You can have a drive to, to do it out of time you know, and really unredeemed. Like there's still stuff that God really needs to work out in you, yep. you know, but you have this vision because you've had the prophetic words and you have this, you know, this thing in your heart, like, oh, God's calling me to be this, to do that. But you don't understand like the crushing that has to happen for you to actually be the person that can oh. fulfill that. And so for me, like yeah. I had the prophetic words, I had the vision, I had all this stuff, but like, I didn't, I needed to be molded. Let, I'll use like a really gentle word. I needed to be molded yeah. for a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, I was not ready. Right. Yep. Like I remember, yep. um, at one point, um, 2015 was really one of the worst years of my life. So it was when that first, you know, beginning came where I started to be extracted, let's say from, um, the more traditional church setting. Mm -hmm. And during that time I was on a sabbatical, you know, from my, um, ministry, uh, I was, you know, just trying to figure out God, what are you doing? Um, it was hard. I would like very, very hard. Um, God was really starting to work some super deep stuff in me to start to shift me, right. To yep. start making me ready for what was ahead, which I didn't understand and didn't 
couldn't perceive at that point. Yeah, how could you have, you know? I mean, I just, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And um, at one point I remember I was praying, which I would pray every day. So during the season I would wake up and I would, well, pray is a weird word. I would lay on the floor and scream <laughs> some days. So prayer, I mean, it, ha- it took on a different form. You yeah, know, I've been like, there. Yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah. like hey, what's happening? Show yeah. me like your vision. Yeah. No, it was like, why is this happening? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, crying out. Because like, yeah. I mean, I just did not. It, it was so unearthing, mm-hmm. you know, like when you go through the wilderness and you're oh, like, yeah. it feels like way more difficult than I was expecting. Like, how could this pain be God? And also I had to learn that suffering is a part of the gospel, which, you know, at that point, I didn't really have like a theological place for that either. Oh, interesting. So the suffering that God began to allow in my life was to shape me, you know? And so during that time, I remember I had this um, encounter with God where he said to me, I was asking him, why is this so hard? Which why I'm a very intellectual um, person. And so why? is usually my first question. You know, I don't feel first. I usually think first. And then I have to like, I've learned over the years, like how to be more empathetic, how to be more like, how does that feel? Why, you know, how are you, but more why tends to be my first question. And so I was asking God, why, why, why? And, um, and he just said like one sentence to me, he said, you're in a pressure test. Hmm. And I said, what is that? (laughs) Elaborate please. Yeah. (laughs) So I got out Google. And I, and I was like, what is a pressure test? And so like the first thing that came up on Google was basically this um, thing on Wikipedia about pressure testing, which is a thing apparently. Hmm. And pressure testing is when a new piece or part is developed and it has to go into a series of trials or tests in order to, um, to, to prove that it can be sustained in its permanent position, right? So they put it through extreme hot, extreme cold, um, external pressure, internal pressure, uh, you know, just all of these different tests. And then they assure you that during, like companies send their new pieces to this type of testing to assure that when that thing is put in its permanent place, that it doesn't break. Hmm. Okay. How good is God? Like he just understands like how to communicate the exact thing that we need to understand with where we're at, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, that was the beginning of years of I'll call hard, you know, that, that yeah. was the beginning of years of that. And so I needed a word that would make me endure hmm. because resilience is incredibly important as a leader, as a Christian, you know, like sometimes God's going to take you through stuff and it's not going to last two months. It's going to last for some years and you're going to have yeah. to be okay with that because he's, the master, he's the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Like lordship is a, is a big issue for a lot of the church, unfortunately. And, you know, that's had to be something I had to come to terms with even, you know, in my story, which, um, you know, at 24 was really the first time I recognized the lordship of Jesus in my life. Mm-hmm. And I already had been through ministry school. I had already been in the church my, almost my whole life. I had already, you know, been doing all the things, understood the theological exegesis of whatever, and I still didn't understand repentance. Wow. And I think a lot of the church, especially the younger generation and in our in our feel good culture, you know, where we we can't we can't like recognize the sin in our life. We don't yeah. look at it. Mm-hmm. 
we're told like, hey, it's cool. Like I heard a song today in like a movie my kids are watching and then I was like, I need to turn this movie off. Yeah. But it was this yeah. song, um, I'm Broken and It's Beautiful. And like, it was like, I'm broken and it's beautiful. And I was just like, what? Like, this is our problem. Yeah. No, it's not beautiful to be broken. Like God makes us whole. And his grace like comes and meets us, you know, in that place of brokenness. But it's, we're expected to not remain. Yeah. Like yeah. we're expected to allow his spirit to shape and mold us into Come on. His image. Come on. And so this idea that we don't have to face the sin and the brokenness, repentance is actually what makes the gospel relevant. Like repentance is what makes it real. Like when you are confronted with your brokenness and confronted with your sin and you actually understand, I can do nothing to change this. I am a mess. And then Jesus is like, hey, I have a way out for that. I can, I'm a solution to this problem that you're in, man, you become grateful for the gospel. Mm. And I wasn't yeah. grateful. Like my whole life growing up, it was like, I really don't have a testimony. I've just like always been at church. Yeah. Right. You know, and it was like, dang, yeah. when I start, when God took those blinders off my eyes and started showing me my own sin, I was like, man, I am a wreck. I mm. am a mess. How, like, how will he do anything with my life? You know what I mean? And it was like, yeah. in that place that God met wow. me and really gave me this revelation of my own sin first. He's like, yeah, mm. you're right. You are really a mess. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. My loving like daughter. I love you. Yeah. So you're fine the way you are. No, he's like, you're right. You are a mess and you're not fine yeah. the way you are. But guess what? Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that was really the beginning of me Man. following Jesus and the beginning of me realizing that I had a lot more work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and honestly too, I, I love that you said that, you know, earlier about how suffering is a part of the gospel. And, you know, for me, uh, before I entered into this position, it was eight years of being hidden away. It was like, I went through this amazing season in tw yeah. 2013. And I was like, this is it. God, like, it's time to go. Like, let's go. And he's like, all right, now yeah. I'm going to hide you away. And yep. it was eight years of either letting things die, letting like dreams that are, or, or desires of my heart that weren't in alignment with him die. And actually for those to get exposed and then die for me to see them. And then also to surrender other things that I had made dreams that God had given me desires that God had given me, but then I had made idols in my life. Right. And so it was like, that was, that was a painful process. Like that was like, I mean, eight years of just like nothing, you know? And I'm like, was that it? Was that thing in 2013? Was that it? You know? And, uh, you know, but it's just surrendering to that process. And, and it's like, if you've ever been like holding a plank, you know, a plank position or something crazy that like super uncomfortable, you had comfortable workout you know that the longer you persevere, the stronger you're going to become, you know, it's like this. And, and it almost, you have to get into that same mindset of just like in, in abiding in him is, is absolutely essential. If you, in those moments, if you kind of shift into a gear of like, okay, I got this now I've seen it enough times. God, I got it. It just, you, it, I went through that too, you know, of like, okay, I think we're good. All right. Okay. I got it. I think I got this. And then it was like, no, okay. I don't have it. You know? Um, and so, I don't know, I think that it's, we don't talk about how suffering is a part of the gospel enough, you know, and it is essential because it's, 
it's burning away those things that are our desires or our flesh and um, submitting to his will. And man. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Yeah. That's like. I think sometimes it's difficult for people to understand that the will of God can lead you into pain. Hmm. And that it's still God's will for you to stay, for you to remain, mm. and for you to allow that pain to do its work in you. Yeah. <clears throat> and even the things that the enemy does, God often uses those things to form us, mm. right? Because God's not the author of evil. He doesn't, I don't believe God sends us sickness. I don't believe God, you know, no. I don't believe these things. Yeah. We also did a whole teaching series on that very topic, right. you know, so we're very, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm all for, you know the kingdom and, you know, yes, let's go with, you know, power, love and a sound mind and joy and peace and righteousness. Yes. But I think we just don't understand that sometimes the pain is actually what we need, right? You're talking about doing a plank at the gym or doing something that, you know, is working our muscles. And it's like, who does that? And it's like, this feels so good. This feels so good. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Wait to do that. No, you're like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, because you need it though. You yeah. need the pressure, you need the resistance mm-hmm. and it's a forming something in you yep. that you need yeah. to get stronger. Man, come on. Yeah. So let's talk about the process of, so you came to this revelation of like, you know, wow, I messed up, you know, like how did, how did you get from that place to doing a house church? Like what, what happened in there? How did that come about? Yeah. You know. So I was 24 when, um, I had that encounter with God, um, where, you know, basically God asked me a question based on a paper I had written the week before. So I had written a theological exegesis (laughs) on, um, on Jacob's wrestle with God. Okay. Right. So I think that that's Genesis 32 or 36. Um, but I'd written an exegesis of that experience. And, um, (laughs) you know, we all know Jacob, you know, God changes his name to Israel. But when, um, when I wrote that exegesis, I was writing on there how, you know, when the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany, you know, this picture of Christ, Genesis 32. Yeah. This picture of Christ, um, that he asks Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob responds, you know, Jacob, and that that's said with this insinuation of shame. Right. Because his name means manipulator, deceiver, supplanter, like he's not a good guy per se. So in God asking him, what is your name? Right. Like, it's not like he didn't know what his name was. Right. You know, Jesus asks us, like, what's your name? Because, again, it's that encounter. You need to encounter the reality of who you actually are first. Right. And so when I was sitting there and, and, you know, having this encounter with God, which was surprising because I wasn't really like having encounters with God at that stage in my life, I actually was more angry with God because something wasn't going right that I wanted to go a certain way. So I was more just being entitled and, you know, just mad at God about it. But then I had this encounter in that place where the Holy spirit just said to me, what's your name? Hmm. And it was like, as the Holy spirit said that I immediately felt like this deception, like break. And I was able to see myself. Like, it's like when you look in a mirror and you can't see yourself correctly. And it was like, suddenly I came into view and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a, you know, and it was just like, oh, 
like this mm-hmm. is who can save me like from yeah. myself um and really that like crying out like oh my gosh i need salvation yeah. like I need a Lord. I need a, not just a savior. Who's like really cute on the cross, but like someone's going to have to lead my life because I'm not doing really great. Mm. Right. Like I need Jesus. And so out of this revelation, my whole life changed. Like my whole life started changing and it, it, you know, it, it didn't change overnight, you know? And I think that, you know, we want people to be perfect. It took me like, I'd say 12 years from that point to really be, you know, walking in, like the maturity that I, that I'm walking in now, if that makes sense. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we come to Jesus and it's just like Lazarus, you know, when Jesus goes to, to raise Lazarus from the dead and he says, you know, come out, he comes out and he's, you know, still wearing grave clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's resurrected. Yeah. He has new life, but he's still wearing all these grave clothes. And then Jesus says to the people around him, take off those grave clothes and let him go. Right. And so that's the, the beauty of community of the church of the body. But Anyway, it was like out of that, that taking off the grave clothes process really began. Hmm. And, you know, some of that I was in ministry for a lot of that, you know? And so like, I needed a lot of grace too, but I, and I've always been a very like strong leader. Um, I wasn't always full of a lot of love, unfortunately, hmm. you know? And so in the early years of leadership and leading communities and, um, you know, pastoring for a while, which is hilarious. Cause I'm just not a pastor, but I've grown in empathy, praise God, but I'm not a pastor. <laughs> but being in that place of pastoring others and, and being a leader, you know, over hundreds of people, you know, like I wasn't always the best leader. Like I could, I could preach, I could like tell you something from the word, but like, I wasn't really trustworthy over people's hearts mm. and over their journey. And unfortunately mm. that's what a pastor needs to be. Yeah. A pastor yeah, needs to walk probably, with people yeah. and not just know the Bible. Right. So yeah. Um, God really had to do a lot of work in me internally, but he, you know, was faithful to that. And it was in layers. Like when I was 18, I couldn't even hug anybody. You know what I mean? Because of my emotional ness, my emotional baggage and just the independence and just the way that I had grown up. And so, you know, I came a long way to that point and God continued, you know? And so I think about, um, you know, from there to here and all the work that God has done, even this week, right? Like we're never done. Like we're never like, oh, you know, I'm just like, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're yeah. never finished. And there's, but there's definitely big rocks that God has us address right away. Yeah. You know, And then as we go, you know, there, there's, there's healing, there's foundational yeah. work, there's layers and God continues to mature us. And I think over the last eight years of our lives, you know, ministry, it's been that to a whole nother level, right? It's like every new level you go to, you're like, yay, I'm at a new level. Oh my gosh, there's so much I don't know. Oh my gosh, like, look at me, I'm so messed up. Like, it's like you get this new revelation of how out of your depth that you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I thought yeah. I knew more at 20 than I know, think I know now. Oh man, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm in my late thirties and uh, yeah, I can definitely say that. You know, where it's like, there's so many things that I was like, concrete, no, this is what, this is what this is, this is what I, that is. And then, you know, going through that process that I went through, that I, you know, I mentioned eight years, it was like, it just did it undid a lot of stuff and it was good. It wasn't like a bad thing. It was, and it's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, like at some point last year about, you know, this whole like deconstruction movement, you know, deconstructing your faith. And it was interesting because I was like, it, there's a lot of people who are going through a deconstruction, but it's not 
that kind of deconstruction for me, it definitely was. It was this, all these things I thought were important, all these things that I thought I had to do. And it was this stripping down of everything. And it was like, God took me to this point of the simplicity of the gospel. And it was just like, because I had started to kind of venture down the road of, um, uh, I wouldn't call myself a like straight up intellectual, but I definitely have some more intellectual leanings. Um, and so I started I was right on the edge of progressive Christianity. And then God was like, like praise the Lord intervened. You know, it was like, I would say it was a couple of months. I wouldn't say I was like full on in it. And it was just like, I had heard a false teacher and then it was just like, you know, just started, I was in this weird place and, and I'm so glad that I went through that discomfort. Yeah. Um, but going back to um, being in leadership, and something that God really took me through was being transparent with people and people yeah. on the show know I'm very transparent. Um, I, I, I'm not an oversharer, uh, at least I try not to be, but I just <laughs> think that it's important to like, I've learned so much from my failures, you know, like, and I think that those are important too. And I think that sometimes in leadership, there can be this, like, I can't share this because they need to know that I have it all together because I'm leading. And, and I, I think that's, that is uh, a thought that has run through many leaders heads. Um, and I remember I was, you know, I was in missions and I was leading a team of 26 people in a foreign country and God had done a lot. And at the end, you know, we're getting ready for our debrief and God was like, I want you to share. Cause it was a pivotal thing that happened during the outreach. It was three months long, pivotal thing that happened. And he's like, I want you to share your journal entry with them from that time. And I was like, Phew. I don't know about this guy, <laughs> but it ended up being really good. It was this great, like God did so much in that meeting with me just being transparent. And I think that sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm a leader, I have to have it all together and I got to, you know, and then like you said, you know, the older you get, the, the more you realize how, how little, you know, and how much more there is to learn in the Lord. And I just think that's really important. A really important thing to point out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I similarly, um, you know, I've been through the same thing as what, you know, what you're talking about just as I've journeyed with God. So mm. yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I, I never went into progressive theology, um, mm. for sure, but I think that, um, in my own way, you know, God had to disentangle is kind of a word that I use instead okay. of deconstruct because yeah. it's not like I took everything I believe and like, yeah, I think disentangle is like better way. You know, Cause I think the deconstruction movement, um, you know, they're messing with dogma. Well, and then it ends up being like, I mean, how many times have you heard oh, I'm deconstructing? I'm like, and they're an atheist now or, and they're agnostic now. Yeah. You know, it's, so. it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And I think the, the problem, so let me talk, let me go on one tiny little tangent. Then I'll yeah, come back it. to my love own tangents. journey yeah. of, you know, disentangling from what was God and not God. Uh-huh. Here's the difference between people who end up deconstructing and people who end up disentangling from religion. Because I think what people really want is to be disentangled from religion, but there's a counterfeit to that. The counterfeit is the deconstruction. And here's the difference. People who are deconstructing, they do not understand their personal relationship with Jesus. They're looking at theology and they're taking theology and trying to make it make sense for their life. It's a very me-centered gospel. Right. So they're trying to understand how does the gospel serve me? How does it make sense to me? What does my mind get around this? How can I make this make sense for me and my experiences, my life, my emotions, blah, blah, blah. Someone who's disentangling from religion 
hears the voice of God. If you don't hear the voice of God for yourself and you don't have your own relationship with Jesus, if Jesus isn't central to your faith, you will end up in a camp you don't want to be in because you're seeing stuff and it doesn't take someone with crazy discernment to like look around and be like, there's some stuff wrong with the church right now. Like God's changing some things. And so someone with like a minuscule amount of discernment is going to see that. But the problem is if you start looking at the church with a critical spirit and with, without the understanding that the Holy spirit, like without that intimacy with the father, you're going to end up in a weird place mm-hmm. period. Cause the Holy spirit has to lead us to what is of God and what is not of God. There's no other leader. You, you can't have like, like theology leading you because there's intellect Right. But then there's the the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of understanding. Right. The sevenfold spirit of God, like the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Intellect does not lead us into all truth. If you're trying to understand God with your mind and you're trying to make it make sense, you're going to you're you're not going the right way. Right. You need to back up and you need to come back under the lordship of Jesus and not under the lordship of whatever you're under because it isn't him. You need to come back under the Lordship of Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, you are the only knowledge, revelation, truth that I want. And so help me to disentangle what is religion and what is you. Hmm. Because I think that this generation, I think specifically millennials and Gen Z, they really, they had that discernment, right? They had it and they have it. Hmm. Many of them have left the church, not because they didn't want to follow Jesus, not because they don't want authentic community. Not, not because of all, you know, the reasons that are valid, you know, they left because they just, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it can be that simple for people yeah. to be like, oh, something's wrong. I couldn't figure it out. But like, I just feel like I shouldn't be there anymore. But we need to come back under the Lordship of Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, guide me into all truth. Don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in this like mass floating exodus because God is, it's like these periods of transition and like, um, not distortion. What's the word? It's, it's like these periods of shaking, right? Cause that's what we've been in. We've been in the time of shaking. And so that shaking happens so that things will rearrange. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when the shaking happens, people who don't have themselves steady, right? You're not steady on the rock, mm-hmm. right? Which Matthew talks about this, like those who are planted on the rock, those, those, those waves are going to come, but you're not going to be shaken. Sure. The people who are planted on the sand, which is a bunch of tiny rocks, right? They are going to be shaped and both houses look the same on the outside. Everybody going to church on Sunday is like, Hey, how are you doing? Blessed. Like they all look the same (laughs) until that wave comes and hits your life right? until everything starts getting shaken and you find out who really was rooted in Christ and who wasn't. Yeah. Right. And so he's wanting us not to get stuck in that, you know, disconnected floating. Oh, I used to do church, but now I'm just like meeting up with some friends once in a while. It's like, no, like, and, and it doesn't mean it has to go back to what it was right? Because this, this shaking is unto something. It's not so that you can like become all, you know, disenfranchised and then just go back right into the thing that was super unhealthy and hurt you. Mm-hmm. There actually really is a new thing that God is doing now in the body. And he's bringing people into health. He's bringing people into life. He's really like, you know, cause I have a lot of friends who are leaders and pastors in, um, you know, more traditional church settings and I, to know the inner work that God is doing in them to know, you know, God is changing the church. And so instead of just seeing all the things that are wrong, I think God is calling a lot of us 
who are younger, like the millennials and the Gen Z, he's calling us to be a part of the answer to a healthy body that can operate in authenticity. Like what you were saying, you know, leadership authenticity, that's been one of the biggest revelations that God has given me over the last couple of years is walking in authenticity. So I will tell stories like publicly that aren't even done yet. Like, I'll be like, I am in the middle of the biggest faith nice. thing. Here's all the reasons why I don't even want to do this, why I, I wanted to say no to God. But hey, join me in the thing in your life that you want to say no to God to right yeah, now. That's so huge. Because people need to know that, like, not just on the other side of victory, like, oh, that was so hard, but let me tell you why it all worked out. It's like, they need to know what it looks like and feels like to be walking something out in real time because it gives them hope that they can do it too, you know? And so yeah. I believe that God's calling us into this new way, you know, the new wineskin. People are talking about that a lot. Like I use mm -hmm. a lot of the words, a new wineskin, reformation, uh -huh. um, but it's, it's a, it really is a new way that God's calling the church to operate in, in authenticity and family. God is removing the celebrities. He's removing the CEOs. He's taking us out of this business church and bringing us into kingdom. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So you made a post. I was trying to look it up really quick, sneakily. Uh, you made a post about this and you were saying church doesn't need this. They need living epistles. And this is what you're talking about, right? In that post. What I, I think you might remember the actual quote that you said there. Yeah. It was like less eloquent instruction, yeah, yeah, yeah. more living epistles. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's because what you're talking it, about. It's our life, you know, and it's the journey of our life. Yeah. Because I think, I think too, a lot of people think like to be a leader, you need to have a perfect background. You need to have like, you need to be that person who went to Bible college when you were 18. And you know, like Billy Graham, he'll be like, and I just said, I'll believe every word of the Bible. And then he like, yeah. just lived this great. I'm not Billy life. Graham. Yeah. I'm like, congrats to you. But like, that wasn't my story. Like, yeah, I had a lot of like bumps and mistakes and like stuff along the way, mistreated some people hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, sure. it wasn't like that simple for me. Yeah. And I know probably for most people, it wasn't that simple either. But at the end of the day, are you still following? Are you still humbling yourself? Are you still apologizing? Are you still working it out? Right? That's the living epistle. It's to, to live out the gospel, to let it do its work in you. Right? And then we trust God for promotion. We trust God for, you know, what he wants to do with our life, with our ministry, and whatever your ministry is, which isn't just, you know, people who are doing churchy stuff. Yeah. Right. But whatever God is wanting to release in our life, like he knows when we're ready for that. But the point is to remain humble. You know, anytime it's like, man, I've had some really big things to like work through over my life. But at the same time, it's like every time God has brought those things to me, like I've submitted to it as hard as it's been different times, as hard as it's been like with who brought it to me, as hard as it's been with how it got brought to me as hard, like whatever. It's like humility is the thing. It doesn't matter like how broken we are, if we continue to humble ourselves under Jesus, if we continue to receive correction, if we continue to move forward, like God will do something magnificent with our life. You know, I've always been, you know, one of the scriptures I've always held on to was Isaiah 46, 10, that I am the Lord who sees the end from the beginning, who makes mm -hmm. known from ancient times, what's still to come. Uh -huh. right? So it's like, he is the God that is outside of our timeline. And so there's been, you know, many moments in my life where I've been like, oh, like, I just want to quit. I just want to get out of, you know, I just want to go live in a quiet neighborhood. People leave me alone. I'm not writing anything else on Facebook. Just like, bye. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is too, this is too much. I don't have to deal with all this. Mm -hmm. Right. And then God reminds me, hey, I've seen the end. Keep going. <laughs>
help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. You know, and there's been different seasons where I was so discouraged that I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's over. My ministry's over. Like God will never, you know. And I remember one time he, God, God gave me um, this vision. He took me into this vision where um, at that point I was only in my like late twenties but he, I was sitting on a chair and I remember I was feeling really like, just sad. Like I must've blown it. I must've missed it. You know? And I think because I'd had this dramatic encounter with God at 15 years old, where God showed me a vision of my future. And I saw myself speaking. I didn't even know that's what I was doing until I was 18. And he showed me the vision again and had someone come tell me the vision and interpret it. Wow. So I didn't even know what I was doing, but I'd seen a vision at 15 and had this, you know, encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then at that point, I was in my late 20s. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever see that again. Wow. I don't know yeah. if I'll see that, you know, and this I remember hitting real close to home, Rayma. <laughs> right now, <laughs> we both had the eight year journey through the wilderness. Yeah. So, uh-huh. you know, we're on the same page. Yeah. But um, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see it. Mm. And I remember I was sitting and God showed me he's given me a lot of split visions. A lot is a strong word. He's given me a few split visions at very pivotal points in my life and in my so split you know, visions for those who don't know, like, what are you referring to? So I'm referring to like a vision that comes in front. It's almost like it comes in front of me in my spirit and it'll have two sides, like mm. one side where something's happening and the other side where something else is happening. It's happened to me several times. Just wow. God's given me. So this is like the first time I'd say that that happened. And so on one side of this, I saw the life. I had actually lived or no, sorry. The first thing I saw was the life I think I should have lived. Right. Cause we all have this like idea of like, Oh, well, you know, we're thinking in hindsight and like the regret and like, Oh, I wish I would have made a different choice like that. I wish I didn't choose that. I wish I didn't go there. I wish I had, you know, shifted at that point. I wish I knew mm-hmm. then what I know now, whatever. And so I'm seeing on this one side, this like ideal life, these choices and this and it's kind of going on fast forward. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I should have done. That's exactly the way I should have gone. That's like exactly like if I could redo my life, that's what it would look like to this point. And then that got paused at me sitting in the chair, (laughs) which is what I, where I was. (laughs) Right. And then the other side started playing, if you will think of like a split screen, almost Mm -hmm. how this podcast is once paused one. Yeah. Yeah. The other side started playing and it was my actual life (laughs) that I lived. And then it paused at the same point of me sitting on the chair. And he said, keep going. Wow. In other words, he's the master rerouter. He, I'm so grateful that at different points in my journey, that at different points in my walk with him, that he did not, you know, pause me and say like, okay, you know what? That's a little too much. Like you're out. But it was like in that vision it was like he was saying i understand i've seen it all i've seen it all like why are you why are you even you know in this place but he has a good grace for us right like with exactly where we're at and he knows what we need and so it was like i'm so grateful that he's already seen my whole life because then when i'm in the dark places or i'm in the point where i'm like you know what i quit i don't want to do any of this anymore he's like you know what trust me trust me i'm at the end Trust me, get up, do it again. You know, don't quit right now. Yes, I know that sucked. I know that was painful, but it's not over. You know, and so for me, that has been one of the greatest scriptures of my life to hold on to. 
that if I'm in this place of pain, if I'm in this place of brokenness, if all of this stuff has fallen apart and I don't understand why God is at the end telling me I've already seen it. And if he's giving me a word right now that says, get up, keep going, get up, you can do it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be obedient to that because I don't see what he sees. I know how it feels right now, but I haven't seen the whole story. And so I have to choose to trust. And that's why the lordship and the obedience is so important. God has told us to move across the country with like less than 12 weeks notice twice. You know, like there's just been so many things in my life that would make zero sense. But it's because I know he's the God at the end that I will obey. You know, if nothing else, I'm like radically obedient, radically obedient. So I haven't always been perfect in like all the other stuff, but I have radically obeyed God. And I'm telling you, I just keep ending up where I'm supposed to be despite all the other things. Yeah. Wow, man. I know that that, like that right there, that rant, which was totally the Holy Spirit or rapture, well, however you said it, a, a tangent, I know is going to bless so many people uh, because there's a big, there's a lot of people being relocated to places. I really started, really started to notice this in 2022 and it's just increased, you know, it's like God is moving people around to positions and opening doors. And sometimes those open doors, um, they don't look like, you know, okay, well, God, if can we, can we wait a couple more weeks or a couple more months to go through this door? now? You want me to go now? You know, um, but I, I actually want to back up to what you were talking about with millennials and Gen Z. A lot of them recognize something's wrong in the church, right? But we're actually, God is intending for us um, as millennials and, and Gen Z to, uh, to provide solutions. And that doesn't mean, and I've been very adamant about this on this show from day one, um, that this is not about step aside boomers, step aside Gen X. It's time for millennials to rock and roll. Um, I said, where we are going, we need everyone. Yes. We absolutely need everyone. Do you know? Do you know how many millennials need parents, like mm-hmm. legit parents that don't have parents? You know, um, there are so many. So many of my friends just don't have mentors in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, That's right. um, and so I'm, I'm. I've always been very adamant about that. And we have a great, uh, you know, amalgam of different generations on this mm-hmm. show. Uh, even though we're really focusing in on what God is doing in the millennials and the Gen Z that no generations are exempt from this, but going back to what I was, I started out saying, which was about God intending for millennials and Gen Z to present solutions. Now that could look like a home church, but do you have, has God given you any insight into other area, other ways that that could look? Um, it could just be altering the structure within a church building. I don't know, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, I think that in this new kind of wineskin era, you know, wineskin epic season, however people want to mm-hmm. frame it, right? Like um it it is it is all generations together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And so specifically I could speak to that like as far as like church leadership goes, that there's there's this amazing uh knitting together that God is doing in the hearts of the generations right now. Like even within our team, um we have people in their 20s and we have people in their 60s. Awesome. Right. We have like of all ethnic backgrounds, Koreans, African-Americans, you know, Caucasians, uh, mixed people, um, people from other countries mm-hmm. like I mean, Indian. Sweet. You know, it's just like it's it's insane 
how all of the, the ages, the genders and the ethnicities are coming together to look like the kingdom, hmm. you know? And I mean, even recently I was at, um, I was at this conference where, you know, and, and to backtrack what you said about a lot of millennials, like I really needed to be parented mm-hmm. out of some of the pain that I've went through, you know, and a lot of my, you know, me and my husband, we've had, you know, spiritual parents sit with us, you know, and work through some of the inner healing and work through some of the issues. And like, if we hadn't had that in certain seasons, like, I don't know what, what would have happened if we didn't have someone older that I could call and be like, yo, I am messed up. Help, help me right now. Like get on a zoom now or else like, I'm not Mm going to be fine. You know, it's like, I needed those parents, um, spiritual parents in my life. But I think some, a message we can accidentally send to the older generations or to the more elder generations, I'll say would be that the only thing you're good for is to spiritually parent the real leaders. And I want to be super careful about that because Honestly, what we are seeing, we are seeing 60 year olds go out and plant their first house church. We're seeing, I mean, we're seeing people step into their calling, teachers, apostles, prophets, like being equipped and beginning to step out in their authority, in the mantle that God's given them, like for the first time, you know, in their fifties and their forties and their fifties and their sixties. And so I just, it is really this time of together, you know, like really walking together and doing things together and honoring appropriately. And I think that, you know, sometimes someone might have more spiritual authority and be younger. Mm-hmm. And that that's also something interesting. Yeah, I've seen that actually yeah. navigate because yeah. sometimes God is calling someone to lead that is younger or a woman, God forbid. And then, <laughs> you know, it can be really difficult for people sometimes the other yeah. head or not. But at the same time, like those of us who are younger, who are leading, we have to be careful that we don't dishonor the ones who really have laid down their lives to do what they thought was right. And whether it was right or not, it's really not for us to judge, but just to honor the sacrifice that they've laid down their life for Jesus to the best of their ability. Right. And then to come alongside one another and say, Hey, this thing belongs to Jesus, the church capital T it belongs to Jesus. So can we just follow him together? Because I think what the younger generation is rejecting is to follow the ways of man. I think mm. everyone is wanting to follow Jesus. Everyone is wanting this new you know, thing that God is doing in the church. And if the church really belongs to Jesus, we, we need to follow his lead. We need to follow his leadership. It doesn't really matter how old we are. It doesn't really matter you know, what, what's happened before. It doesn't matter. Because if we're under his lordship and he's in charge of the church, we all need to come submit to him and see where he's leading us. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Well, I, I guess in closing, I, I want to talk about, I'm really curious, um, you know, cause you're talking about how really trying to, um, kind of foster a fivefold ministry within your home churches. And how did that, how did that start? Cause I would say that's, you know, I often have said on the show, I mean, we did a, we did a whole teaching series on the fivefold ministry, um, and God's desire to restore that within the church. Um, you know, I would say that we've been operating in a, with a three fingered hand, you know, we're, we're all about teachers and pastors and, but the evangelist even is like, you know, being shunned now. Cause it's like, heaven forbid, we have someone, you know, in church leadership that makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, cause evangelists make people feel uncomfortable, you know, they're bold and they step out and they do things, you know, like, um, so I'm just curious to see how, like hear how that 
that even came to be uh, just the, the whole fivefold structure within your home church, even the first one you did, I'm sure it was a learning process still is I'm sure. Yeah. So um, our structure is a little different than um, we don't have fivefold leaders in every house church. So the way that our, um, I guess, movement operates is we have, we believe that the church, the local church is led by elders. And so we kind of call the, like local churches, we call them assemblies, like a local okay. assembly. Um, not all the time, you know, some, we say house church a lot too. I mean, it, the point is to just disentangle ourselves from the semantics, right? Because yeah. the words, like they carry all kinds of negative connotations and stuff we think we understand mm -hmm. and whatever. So, um, you know, the local assemblies would be like your spiritual family. That's where you do life. That's like the people that you're walking with committed to Jesus, committed to each other. You know what I mean? That's like the house church environment. Yeah. And people who lead in that environment, they're, you know, first Timothy three, they're, they're mature in God and they're willing to steward, you know, discipleship in the lives of other people. And so it's really that simple, the local assembly. It's not this like show and this whole thing. It, it's, it's life together, right? It's discipleship, it's maturity, it's family. And the elders really lead in that environment. And so then we have the fivefold teams, you know, where we have pastors that um, shepherd the leaders, they shepherd the elders and they shepherd over the churches, you know, so they not over, but like they serve the churches in that way where they are, you know, they're still, they're pastors, you know? And so we, we've misunderstood too in American church, the role of a pastor. Most people who would be called pastor so-and-so, they're probably not a pastor, hmm. but, um, you know, we have pastors that then oversee the elders that are very connected to them, parenting them, helping them to parent their people. Right. So you've got those multiple layers of like shepherding going on, but then. Which has you know, been greatly, honestly, has been greatly lacking yeah. in a lot of different church structures that even I've observed greatly lacking. So, yeah. And I mean, we had to learn that the hard way. That's another thing. You know, we went years yeah with like apostles and prophets really speaking in the churches and people are like, I'm dying. And we're like, Ooh, we better get a pastor. Like, uh -huh. this isn't right. You know? And so we had to learn, yeah. to learn that the hard way. But, um, really we, we train like fivefold now to lead among the churches, you know, like an elder leads like a church and then the fivefold ministry leads among the church in teams. Okay. It's not like, um, it's not like that's my apostle. That's, my evangelist, yeah. that's my prophet. Okay. There's a lot of overlap. Wow. You know, and that's wow. really the point. Like the, the point is that there's not like this one triangle leader. We talk about circles a lot, you know, and we have something called fivefold circles where we specifically are, we're starting it this week, actually, um, where we are beginning to build this equipping community of, you know, evangelists, pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers, and um, they have their own, you know, circle where they're really learning how to walk in that calling, mm -hmm. but then this larger circle where we're all learning how to walk together. Wow. And so we're equipping those people to operate among the churches, among the churches. And that's really important because this, we use the phrase like that the, the elders lead within the church and the fivefold leads among the church. Hmm. It's kind of like okay. a, a way of understanding it. Yeah, because yeah. There's overlap there. Yeah. And there's, you know, and pastors would probably be the ones who are most closely associated with a specific house church just because they're pastoring those leaders. Yeah. But that's well, kind of a little bit more about how we flow. Well, and I'm just thinking about like how honestly that structure does prevent weird theology from getting in. You know, it's like one, 
you know, you got your pastor, your apostle, whatever, or your prophet or your apostle, you know, tucked away in this little hidey hole church and, and then weird theology just gets in or like, so I, I can see how that structure actually, which I mean, really does feel very biblically informed, New Testament informed, um, you know, is a man. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thanks. So. All right. Well, Rama, I mean, there's like a thousand other questions. Have, but, <laughs> like now uh, that you said that, what yeah, I just, just throughout, I have like notes of just like places we could go. Um, but uh, I would love for you to pray for people in closing, just however you feel led to pray. Uh, and then we'll close this thing out. Sure. All right. Yeah. Well, father God, we just, we come before you and we, um, we acknowledge Jesus that you are the leader of this thing. We acknowledge that you are guiding us. You are shepherding us into life. You are bringing us into fruitfulness. You do not shake anything without the solution. And so we not only thank you for the new and for the solution, but we thank you for the shaking. We thank you for for bringing us out of, you know, just being disillusioned. We thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us into new life and you're showing us your way. And we just, we submit to it. You know, whatever we've been through, the religion, the things that we're holding, would you show us? Would you expose us? Expose our heart. Expose the things that are man-made. Would you separate by your spirit the things that are man-made and the things that are kingdom? Because we want to operate within the kingdom of God. We don't just want the things, you know, of this world. We really want to build and to live and to operate within kingdom realities. And so would you bring us into new life? new revelation. And would you expose the areas of our heart and our life that don't please you, that don't honor you. And would you bring us collectively into what you're doing now within your church and within your body in Jesus name. Uh, Amen. Amen. Well, this was fantastic. All right. I, I just, I, I had a great time. Um, Rayma, how can people follow you on social media? You're a couple of places, give them the details. Yeah, sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm just at my name <laughs> simply. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, on, and then I have a website, which is also my name.com and then Facebook is slash my name. So it's, it's super simple. Um, awesome. super, super simple. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody details are in the description, wherever you're watching, which is up here in Facebook and down here everywhere else. Uh, we've got your Instagram, Facebook websites, all that good stuff. So go follow her. You guys, she's always releasing great content, a whole lot more of this, like what we talked about. Um, so if I, if I might share, like we're doing, um, a conference in April too. Oh yeah. We have a link for that too. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. We're doing a, a conference here in Atlanta, um, in April, which really is around this like new wineskin understanding. There's so many leaders who are coming to be a part of that from all over the world. Um, like leaders from Australia. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And um, we're hosting that here April 27th to 29th here in South Atlanta. And so I have a link to that also. And I mean, I'm talking, don't just think like, oh, I'm a pastor of a church. Like we have a whole extreme for marketplace ministers, like for people who are like working in tech. Uh Like, I mean, it's just, it really is like, how do you understand yourself as a reformer in your world? Because this is kingdom, right? So it's like, you have to break off the four walls and understand how am I being equipped to operate with apostolic authority everywhere, you know? So we've got a lot of different kind of people coming to that, like lots of different ages and streams and even the people ministering, like half of them don't even know each other because they're just from different 
stream. So I, I think it's going to be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that's April 27th through the 29th. And if you go into the stuff we talked about section of our description, you'll see the way together is in Atlanta, Georgia. For more info, go here. And there's a link and you can click it and you can register and all that good stuff. So very exciting, Rama. Thank you so much. Like this was such a refreshing conversation and I'm just so blessed by your ministry and what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. Well, everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed Tuesday. Tune in tomorrow, Wednesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Today is not Wednesday. Uh, and we're having Jesse Champ on for the first time. A lot of you guys know who he is, but uh, he's actually going to be on Elijah Fire. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so that's going to be at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, ElijahFire.com is how you donate. ElijahFire.com slash donate is how you donate. All proceeds go towards this. And then also our water well efforts over in Uganda and beyond. So God bless you guys. And we will see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with Jesse Sham. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.